Capital One knows life does not alert you about your credit card. Hey, couch surfers, we have got nonstop tunes to keep you rocking while you work. Oh, hey, Colleen. Yes, you, Colleen with a K. Your free trial of Movie Plus ends tomorrow. Your card may be charged. Do you want to continue or do you want to cancel? So meet Eno, the Capital One assistant. Eno looks out for surprise charges, like when these free trials do expire. It helps if you need to fix them. Eno, another way that Capital One is watching out for your money when you are not Capital One. What's in your wallet? Limitations do apply. Hey, look, we know that Mike likes to get his gamble on. He literally, I remember asking him on the first tee what you want to play for, and he just responded with, uh, whatever makes you nervous, bud. And I was like, like, okay, we we can play for a lot then. I like this. Four, please. Now on the box, from Jupiter, Florida, a four-time major winner with takes for days, my guest for episode 128 of the pod, the number three stick in the world right now, Brooks Kepka. That's right, BK from Home Quarantine is on the podcast this week, and even if you're not about golf, you have to love Brooks because my man shoots straight, he speaks his mind, and he is more real than anybody else between the ropes. Let's not waste a single second. Let's get right to it. Episode 128 of the Jim Rome Podcast coming at you right now with Brooks Kepka. Brooks, it is great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Listen, it's been a really unusual time. So first things first, how are you and those close to you doing during this pandemic? And then what have the last couple of months been like for you? Thankfully, everybody um, in my family and everybody around me is doing doing really good. Um, everybody's holding up. Still got good spirits, which is good. Um, you know, saw them for Easter not too long ago and um, you know, everybody's just trying to make the best of a bad situation. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's just excited to, you know, Florida's basically just about to open back up. So everybody's kind of, you know, they've got something to look forward to, which is nice. You know, it's true. I've talked to so many athletes during this entire period, so I'm kind of curious to you. Also, what has practicing and training at home been like for you? <laughs> it's been weird. Um, well, first off, I don't know. I like I don't have a home gym, so I didn't have any weight. So I had to go to like I went to Walmart one of the days, um, or actually my girlfriend went to Walmart and picked up weights, and they were basically all out of weight. So the heaviest weights we had for about two or three weeks was like 15 pounds. So we were just doing bands, we were just doing like stuff like that. Um, a lot of like mirror workouts. Same thing everybody else has been doing. Um, but then you know I took some time off in golf just because. I like it. Um, I just figured that uh, the last half of the year is going to be pretty busy, man. So you just got to you got to take your rest when you can get it and uh, and push through. All right, so you mentioned recently that you'd played with Michael Jordan. Obviously, with the last dance going on right now, Jordan's on everybody's mind. He, of course, Brooks, is a legendary shit talker. So what happened when you tried to talk trash to him during the round? Yeah, it was great. That was um, – that was I can't remember what year it was. That happened maybe like three, four years ago. It was unbelievable. Um, it was like back and forth, great match, whatever it was. And get up to the 17 tee is like a big uh, walk back to the tee, um, and we're going back there. And um, I'd gotten one up, and you know, two holes to play. So 
I just figured now is a good time because he chirped me early on, and I figured, you know, no better time to start chirping him then. And uh, he just, I said something like, you know, I got you right where I want you. Um, or this thing's over after this hole, whatever it might have been. And he just tees the ball up. He looks right at me, takes his practice swing. He takes another look at me and goes, this is fourth quarter, baby. I don't lose. And uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I was just, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. And then sure enough, on 17, he beats me, and then 18, he beats me, and, um, you know, and then proceeded to ask for my wallet right after that. Speaking of your wallet, hey, look, we know that Mike likes to get his gamble on. I mean, watching The Last Dance, Brooks, I don't think there's anything that dude won't gamble on, not to speak out of school, but since you mentioned your wallet, what kind of action did you guys have going on during that round? I forget what the action was. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too damn. It wasn't too damaging. But I love it because he'll he'll be the. Like, I'm a. I, I love to gamble. Love to bet on. You know anything you can. You can. And he literally. I remember asking him on the first tee what you want to play for, and he just responded with uh, whatever makes you nervous, bud. And I was like, uh, I was like, okay, we can we can play for a lot then. <laughs> I like this. But uh, yeah, no, I love that man. I love that competitiveness that he's got, and it doesn't. I mean. It helps that he's, you know, probably got more money than God. But, um, you know, he just loves to play. Play for He'll play for anything, man. Even if you want to play for a dollar, he's all up for it, and it's game on. Yeah, like you said, as long as he gets your dollar in his pocket, he's happy. That's what that's about. It's not even about the amount. He just wants your money. Like, Brooks, you, you're a fearless guy. So when he says to you, whatever makes you nervous, bud, like, what makes you nervous? <laughs> uh, there's not much that makes you nervous. Money doesn't make me nervous. I know that we're playing for it. But I know – I would say losing makes me nervous, if anything. Because then they got, the guy's got the edge on you, man. You don't want to be the guy that's, um, that's losing. I, I just hate – I mean, I know that we say it with, like, all the great athletes. They really just – they're so competitive and they hate to lose. But um, it really is true. I think that's what really separates the difference between, like, the – you've got, you know, the great athletes but the greatest of all time, that's what the big differential is, is those guys literally, it doesn't matter what they're doing. I mean, you saw it in in the video. I mean, he's throwing quarters up against the wall and he's he's getting intense about it. Like little stuff like that. It doesn't matter what it is. We were on the back the other day. We got a little uh, basketball hoop in the pool. And I mean, I was like legit getting mad. I was missing shots. Um, You know, things like that. I mean, it's just, it's competitiveness, man. That's what, uh, that's what everybody lives for. And that's how that's why guys like you, him, are wired differently because that's what you live for. That's it's like a lifestyle is what it is. Now when you talk edge, Brooks like golf. Golf is a gentleman's game. We know this. In basketball, if you want to get up in a guy's grill when you slam on him, you can do that. In football, if you sack on a guy, if you want to stand over him for a minute, you can probably get away with that. I mean, you can talk shit and make a big play somewhere else, but golf's not like that. There's none of that in golf. So in terms of that edge, how do you get a psychological edge or get in somebody's head in golf? Well, you can. You can, actually. You can kind of shit talk a little bit in golf. Um, there's different. There's different ways to do it. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be shit talking like the guys in the free throw line telling them, you know, how bad he, you know, getting in his face. You're not going to be doing any of that in golf. But, um, you know, a guy hits one a little bit offline. It's clearly not going. And all of a sudden, you've got the arms out swinging way to the right, you know, four. And he's going, what the hell are you doing? You know, making a big deal about it. But, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of gamesmanship that goes on. You know, you might push a putt and, um, 
you know, be like, oh, I can't believe it went to the right. Um, <laughs> you know, just little things like that. I'll, I'll do it every once in a while. If I, if I really, if, I mean, I'll tell you, I've hit some bad putts before and just literally look confused. Like, I can't believe it goes that way, knowing the guy's got the same putt. Right. And uh, just see if it throws them off a little bit. You never know. It's not, I mean, you're not doing anything wrong. I mean, I'm talking to my caddy. Everybody else just seems to hurt, you know, just hurt it. I think, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I really don't. You know, it's competitive. You're trying to win. Yeah. You know, I, I know they say golf's all about, you know, you and the course. But at the end of the day, you still got to beat 143 other guys. So you gotta you gotta take them head on eventually. Dude, hell no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so happy to hear that. In fact, it's funny you say that it's about the course. I was gonna ask you because when you watch Jordan, clearly he didn't just want to win. He wanted to snatch souls. He wanted to destroy you as well. So do you have any of that in your approach and mindset? Or to your point, you know, to many is it just about competing against the course and yourself and not everybody else out there? No, no, it's it's all. It, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, you want to, you know, you're supposed to play the course. I know that's like the tradition, like the traditionalist stuff. But I'm not traditional at all. I think everybody that has ever watched me or heard any quote that I've ever like, I don't care. I don't I, like. Yes, there are traditions, and we do, and I respect them. But at the end of the day, you got to do what, you know. I think competitiveness has changed over the years. Like, yeah, golf is. It was, you know, it's a gentleman's game. Everyone's, you know, we, we all shake hands after the round. We're all, you know, friends when we're done. But at at the end of the day, I'm just as competitive as anybody else when that gun goes off or when that ball is teed up in the first tee and I still want to beat the snot out of the guy next to me. I don't care what it is. I'm going to figure out a way to try to, try to beat him. Um, and that's just, that's just, I think, being an athlete or being a competitor, that's what, uh, that's what we live for, man. Listen, it's a gentleman's game. That's great. And I wouldn't argue against that. It's, it's fine. It's great. But is it too gentlemanly? Like, is it too buttoned up? I mean, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things I think that are too buttoned up about golf. But it's interesting. I think um, you kind of see a little bit of shift in the, in the generations. You know, like uh, my dad um, – I don't think my dad, I mean, my dad on a, on a daily basis wears golf shirts and they're tucked in with golf shorts and I'm in a belt. I don't think if I'm at home practicing, I don't think I've ever tucked my shirt in. Um, you know, I've had backwards hats, um, practicing in sneakers and just having fun. I mean, I've, I've showed up in, in gym clothes half the time too. Um, and I think that it like throws that younger generation off of it. No, uh, you know, younger guys aren't going to want to be, out there all buttoned up doing the stuff. You want a wide variety of people to play the game. And like, I've always had the issue with, I know, I know it's probably bad to say, but like USGA, they, you know, you want to grow the game, but at the same time, if you're going to put all these rules and regulations on what you can and can't wear, I mean, you're limiting guy. Like some people don't have access to buy pants, um, belts, you know, all these nice things that are required to wear golf. Golf's already expensive enough and it costs, I mean, even for a youth set, you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks where the YMCA down the street is open, and guess what? All they need is a basketball that costs 20 bucks, and they can play for a long time. Where golf's not that – I mean, it's 70 bucks for a dozen of golf balls, and you're probably going to lose them in the round. It, we're talking about accessibility. Like, even the club that I belong to, Brooks, like, for the longest time, there were no jeans. And I'm like, 
You know, I'd say to the wife, let's go get something to eat. She's like, nah, nah, I don't want to get dressed up. I don't want to do this. You can't even believe how big a difference it was when they said it's okay to wear jeans. Like, good, we can go there. We can enjoy it. We can be there. It's like access, right, man? Loosen it up a little bit. Now, I'm glad you mentioned your dad because I was going to ask you. John Daly said recently, man, I love Brooks. I love Brooks, but I love his old man even more. Like, he's all about your dad. I got to ask you about JD. Have you spent much time with him? And what do you make of his like rip it and grip it lifestyle? Not his game, but his approach to life, man. Just rip it and grip it. He's the fucking man, dude. I love that guy. I, the more and more time I've spent around him, um, I really appreciated uh, what he's done for the game. He kind of brought he kind of brought that same attitude that I'm talking about before it was even cool to talk about. Like that wasn't talked about 20 years ago, and yet this guy, because he was different. A lot of people, you know, maybe hated on him, but a lot of people loved him at the same time. Look, he is genuinely who he is, and he's unapologetic about it, which I love. And he'll tell you exactly how he's feeling, um, what he, what he's about. And um, you know, I've got to know him a, a little bit more over the last couple of years um, at the PGAs. And yeah, I guess him and my dad were out there. I don't know what the whether they were drinking, I don't know what it was, but my dad was not very interested, and in, in, um, they could care less what I was doing, I guess. I heard about it later after the fact, but um, they were out there on the patio just hanging out, and then I'm walking by, um, and I just hear this, you can call me uncle, and I'm like, who the hell is talking to me? <laughs> and it was, it was JD, and I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you talking to me? He goes, oh, yeah, me and your family, we're in. I'm basically family now, boy. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> I was like, this is trouble. <laughs> crazy uncle jd now since you mentioned that they were drinking you recently went 30 days without drinking now brooks personally i haven't done that since well shit i've never done that and i hope i never do how hard was it to go 30 days without a drink and then how did you feel after you did it uh i mean to be honest with you, it's not hard it wasn't hard for me at all um you know i'm if i'm being completely honest i uh for the last five years um if i or no not five years four years um if i've been on the golf course um or i'm in a tournament that week i i I won't drink i've always viewed it as you know i'm an olympic um 100 you know i'm running the 100 meters the guy the week of the event i don't care if it's monday and i'm teeing off on thursday i'm not going to have a drink on monday because guess what my my competition's on Thursday, and it might affect me on Thursday. So I've never, I've never been one in the last four years to have a drink during a tournament week. It's always been, hey, listen, if I'm there, I'm there, I'm there to play golf. I'm not there to do anything else. Um, so I, I mean, I've gone 30 plus days before, being four weeks on the road, you know, you're not drinking. Um, so it's not, it wasn't that difficult for me. But I will say, I encourage you. But my dad even did it actually after we did it. Um, and he was talking about how great he feels. I mean, I always feel great after I do it. It's awesome. You feel so much better. And it's, and it's even it's amazing to me how much better everyone sleep or I sleep on the road. Um, you know, you think about it. We're in different mattresses, different places all year long, and you finally get get a chance to to really sleep. Um, and you know, you don't have to sleep as long, but you really sleep uh, deeper. And I think that's the big difference.
Dude, that is really something you said that. We have that conversation in my house all the time. Like, you grind so hard during the week, and you want to get caught up on the weekend. But on the weekend, that's when you kind of get your drink on, and then you sleep even worse. It's so true what you're saying. All right, so when you're in it, and you do allow yourself to indulge, besides the Mick Ultra, what are you sipping on these days? Mm, no, no, Mick Ultra is perfect, man. Dude, we, we, uh, my birthday was the other day. Um, and we just were out by the pool just drinking Mick Ultras and hanging out and having fun. I mean... Yeah, I love it. It's just per- it's perfect because then you don't, you know, you can have you can indulge. Yeah, you can have some fun, but you don't uh, you don't feel too bad the next day, and I think that's important. You know, Brooks, I got to say, I can't lie. I was pretty obsessed with trying to figure out what adult beverage was in Jordan's crystal tumbler when he sat down for those interviews for the Last Dance. Come to find out, it was his own tequila. So now we can go back to the internet's other biggest mystery. And I'm not looking to start any shit whatsoever. You, you got to know that. But the internet has forever wanted to know what's in the tin. Brooks, are you like a Copenhagen guy, a Kodiak guy? Can we set the record straight once and for all? <laughs> what is in the tin? Uh, I got a Kodiak. I'm a Kodiak guy. Yeah, everybody always thinks it's Copenhagen because it's green. But Kodiak or um, I picked up uh, Snooze when I was over in Sweden. Uh, and actually, in college, I had a Swedish um, guy that played on the team. I picked up Snusen, so there's this Gutenberg Repay. So I'll either do that or uh, what Cody, Cody actually go to. Much respect, hard, my It's man. hard not to. You're out there for four hours, and you're just chilling. And I know people always give you, especially when you go over to England, everybody always gives you crap for, for spitting. But I'm like, dude, it's better than watching me throw up. <laughs> Much better. I'm like, it's going to go one better. way or the other, man. You can't swallow it, man. What do they want you to do? Swallow it and puke all over the track? You can't do that. No, I'm, no, I'm good. I don't need to do that anymore. No, much respect. Listen, I would argue, Brooks, that you're at this point, you're, like, you're both the face and the voice of the sport, especially the latter, like whether it's calling out guys for slow play or maybe putting Patrick Reed on blast for making sandcastles in a waste bunker maintaining there's no rivalry with Rory. I mean, you put your name on some really strong takes when almost nobody ever wants to. My question is this. Is it just a matter of people finally getting around to asking you the right questions? Or maybe are you looking to use some of this influence to implement some changes on tour? Um, you know, I would say 90% of it is just the difference. of. I mean, I got asked the same 10 questions continuously for Three years, two, three years. It was, you know, what did you think about the challenge tour? You no, know, I heard you eat horse meat in Kazakhstan. Um, you know, what was your favorite country in Europe to go to? You know, what's the best course you ever played? Like all those basic stuff, the basic stuff. And it gets, I mean, I don't know how many times I can answer it before you finally just be like, dude, I ate horse meat. What else you want? Like I didn't know it at the time. And then I found out afterwards and it was still good. So I ordered it again because I wanted it. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. It was good. I'm okay with it. Now, you want to ask me something interesting that I care about, I'll give you an answer. And, and finally, somebody, I finally said to somebody, I'm done, I'm done with those questions. Ask me something different. And they gave me something, and they gave him a good answer. And it's like, oh, no, he found his voice. No, well, <laughs> it's kind of hard. You can control an interview as much as you want. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody asked me, how's my golf game going? And I go, if I want to talk about, you know, the stance of, you know, where golf's headed today, it's kind of hard to bring that in. You know, you're just kind of throwing that in out of left field. So, you know, it's a lot of people finally asking me different questions, and I'm not, I'm not going to apologize. I'm, I've, you know, there's a lot of people 
at the top of this game right now who speak out of both sides of their mouth. That's not me. You know, they say something and then they realize that, oh, it didn't go over well with people. And then you'll see two weeks later, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. And you see it a lot with even the guys that are at the top of the game today. That's not me. Like, if I, if I thought about every answer before I've even said it. So I know what I'm doing. In other words, it's not a matter of you finding your golf voice. Maybe the rest of them found their golf questions. Like, as an example, if, if you're sitting here right now, what are you thinking? Like, why doesn't somebody fucking ask me this? Ask me about this. What's the one thing they're not asking you? We. What's the one thing we're not asking you that we should be asking you that you do want to talk about? Um, just, I think no one, no one asks about the state of the game, like where, where we see the game going, what changes will we do? You know, they're, they're all about making, you know, these changes. Yeah. They started the debate about the whole golf ball thing, but at the end of the day, my big thing is I, I, I distinctly remember, um, Jack Nicholas driving the green at 18 at St. Uh, St. Andrews years and years ago. Right. I played that hole and I know that the green hasn't been moved back and I know the tee box hasn't been moved back, but at the same time, I can't drive the green unless it's downwind. So what's the difference? It's just there's bigger – look, everything has to change. you got to make these golf courses harder. But then you're getting rid of the, um, the average guy who goes out on the weekend. Like, eventually you just got to make courses. I know people aren't going to like it, but you have to make courses that are designed for pros. you got to adapt all these different things. You look at it in the NBA. They didn't have a three-point line for a really long time. Then all of a sudden they added it. You've got in, you know, the NFL, there's different rules in college than there are um, in the NFL. There's different, you've got to have different rules. They're starting to adapt these different regulations, I guess, for us versus amateurs. And I think it's great. I think it's one of the best things that they've ever done because it's, it's different. It really is. It's not the guys that are playing on the, I know they don't want to hear it, but the guys that are playing on the week, weekly games and on the weekends they're not playing the same golf course that we're playing and i know that you know yes they're teeing it up the same course but it's way way different and you want to make it enjoyable for them a lot of the courses that we play aren't even you're not even having that much fun it's so hard i mean but at the end of the day those guys those amateurs that go play those courses they can't i mean you're not going to break 100 and what fun is that exactly but you got to change. You have to evolve. And unless you do that, you won't grow the game. You know, you mentioned Jack. Like, you're on record. In fact, you've told me this on my program, Brooks. The guys are forever judged on their majors. You've already got four. Mm-hmm. Only Tiger and Jack had more than you by their 30th birthdays. Listen, I understand the PC answer. It's one day at a time. It's one tournament at a time. It's one major at a time. It's number five being the thing. But do you have Jack's 18 somewhere, just somewhere in the back of your mind? Uh, yeah, I do. If I'm completely honest, I do. I have it in the back of my head. But at the end of the day, if I'm, if I mean, what am I? Yeah, people will be like, "Oh, you never get there." Okay, that's great. That's their opinion, you know. But my thing is, is if I'm not shooting for that, then what the hell am I doing? Like, I mean, I can promise you, no one ever steps on the golf course and is like, "Man, just looking to shoot even far, you know, even far today on a golf course where you know the leader's at seven under." So you're setting yourself up for failure. Why Why are you not shooting for, you know, the course record? Why are you not shooting, you know, going for the best of the best? I don't see why. And, yeah, okay, maybe it might be unattainable, but I think 
every person in their life, they have goals that, you know, you, you can hit along the way and then you have some that are unattainable because you have to still have something to work towards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I want to smash 18 out of the water, it's just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, you know what? When I'm done with my career, I just want to be able to look back and be like, Tim, I gave it all I got. Whatever it might be, it is, and I can live with that. And I'm always going to, you know, even if I never win another one again, there's a real good possibility. I might not ever win a major again, but I can live with that as long as I work my ass off. Brooks, before I let you go, you, you're you a big sports fan, so you know the phrase, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, or feel good, shoot good. Mm-hmm. Man, you look good. You and I have the same clothier now, the iconic David August. My question is, do you come to his legendary showroom in Costa Mesa here in Cali, or do you make the man come to you? <laughs> I'm... Uh... I've done uh, I've done both. They've had uh, they've had a trip out here to my house in, in Jupiter, and uh, and I've gone out to the shop out in California. Man, it's David August is the best. It's uh, I mean, I, let's be real. I think some of the best suits that have ever been made, some of the most iconic suits. I mean, look at the fuck you um, suit that Connor wore. I mean, how I mean, that was the most talked about suit I think or clothes, piece of clothing that anybody's worn in um, you know during that year, whatever year he won it. Um, or wore it. I love them. I think everybody that works there is great. I've worked with Chad a bunch, um, and dude, I love it. I know you. I know you're a big fan. Dude, I love it. I love those guys. I love the whole setup. I loved Connor's Couture Fuck You clothing line. At this point, I got to ask though. I mean, like, who's got the bigger jet now, you or David? Because you know our guy's killing it. <laughs> David, 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 I'll tell you what. For as much money, I know for as many suits as I've bought, I hope it's David. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love to, I love getting dressed up, man. I love getting, I love, you know, looking good. And um, I think just about for anything, we were supposed to go to Kentucky Derby this year. Obviously, that's canceled. Or, well, postponed, but we can't go now. I mean, I was out, I was trying to figure out a way to get out there to go get fitted again, find new suits, even though I've got, like, another – 25 in my closet that I haven't worn yet but I don't know it's just fun to go out there and go get fitted and and see everything they've got I see you working listen one last thought you unlike so many others on the way up Tiger Woods was not your guy per se you were more of an Adam Scott guy how come Scott and do you still have a big old man crush on Scotty yeah yeah I do I mean I love Scotty I just think the way he went about everything was um pretty cool he was I think he'd be even the first person to tell you, you know, he's going to do things his way. Um, he, he goes about things a little different. He's a little more quiet off the golf course. Um, just with family life, um, you know, I haven't gotten there yet where, you know, I've got kids or anything like that. But he makes sure that everybody's outside of the spotlight, which I kind of I, I like and I respect that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we get paid on a lot of money, but it's at the same time, you still want a little bit of privacy. And he's done an unbelievable job of, of doing that with his family. And, um, I mean, he talked about planes. I mean, the guy owns his own plane. I mean, that's pretty badass. <laughs> if you ask me, um, I forget who it was. And uh, it was years ago. It was a great story. Um, somebody didn't. Uh, somebody was asking, I think it might have been Ernie Els, um, about um, – a couple cars or something that he had, and he goes, "I'm not really, not really a car guy. I'm more of a plane guy." Which I thought <laughs> that was great. awesome. 
That is awesome. Brooks, I'll tell you what, I, I always look forward to our conversations, but this long form, this this way that we could sit down and chop it up on the podcast is so, so good. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the time. Eager to see everybody get back out there and do what they do. But in the meantime, great to have you on the show. Brooks, stay safe, and I appreciate it so much. You got it, man. Okay. Hey, I appreciate Be good, it. bud. If you, ever, if you ever want to do it again. You know, now more than ever, we need people with the right skills to support our communities, especially the frontline workers who provide resources and care for those who are most in need. To help out, LinkedIn is offering free job posts for healthcare and essential service organizations that need to quickly fill critical roles with the people who help us all. So if you're hiring for one of these organizations, Job posts on LinkedIn can help you quickly find the right people for your front line. LinkedIn can help you find frontline workers from its active community of over 675 million members. I am one of them. I'm on the site every single day. I love it. It is so useful. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates for the skills and the experience that you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified people who meet your requirements so you can find the right person to quickly fill critical roles. To post a healthcare or essential service job for free, or if you're in another industry altogether and you have hiring needs, visit linkedin.com slash Rome. Once again, linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E. Terms and conditions do apply. LinkedIn.com slash Rome. Hey, best believe that I will take Brooks up on that offer to run it back once again because there are few guys in the world of golf that are as much fun to chop it up with as my man BK. So huge thanks to him for doing the podcast. And I'm already looking forward to next time or bumping into him at David August, whichever comes first. Now, I'm going to get up on out of here, but not before I remind you to rate review, and subscribe, all of which are much appreciated. Back next week with another episode, but not before I roll out your voicemails. See ya. I'm out. First new message. Romy, loving the podcast. Just listen to the one with Bisbing. That guy's a legend, man. What a great, great story. Thanks for all you do. I'm up here in Alaska, so I got some long drives with what I do for work, and your podcast makes them a little more bearable. Extremely grateful to have the podcast right here on my iPhone 10. Bring Janet and the boys up here. We'll rip some lips, send you guys home with some coolers full of fish. I'm out, Romy. Message saved. Next message. Romy, been up since 3.30. The little guy, he's been up all night. I just started the podcast. I'm starting one right now. I'll tell you, this might be the new tradition. Wake up at 3.30, take the kid in the car, go for a little joyride. Listen to the podcast. We'll talk to you on the show, brother. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. It's Bella B in Calgary. I have a suggestion for that horsey of yours. How about the name 818 for life? You like it? You can have it. Message deleted. Next message. Hello, it's Craig in Irvine. I'm an essential worker out here delivering packaging supplies to medical companies in Southern California. Just wanted to say I love the show. Been listening since 9091. For some reason, I'm blocked for some stuff I said about Sean Estes a long time ago, the bike thief. But yeah, I just wanted to say keep up the good work. I know I sound like Jim Harbaugh on the smack off, but yeah, love the show. See ya. Message saved. Next message. Romy Justin from Melbourne. Incredible, dude. Stacy King. I've never listened to him during basketball games, but I'm going to start tuning in after that pod. That guy tells stories like Big Elk, man. Fucking incredible. Phil Jackson, 
I mean, give this guy some bleeping credit for real. Banging it with Big Phil for his tryout. I mean, we got to give the respect back to the Phil Jackson just a tad bit more after that one. Message saved. Next message. Hello, Vance back. It's Kennedy in the Boot Hill 573. I can't listen to the show today. We had some massive straight line winds come through. Knock out the radio station. I'll sing you a song. On the road again, delivering packages for all my friends. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Deuces, man. I'm out. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. It's Robin from St. Pete, also known as your favorite Kansas City kook. Hey, man, I just watched the Project 11 documentary about Alex Smith. I heard you talking about it the other day, and that was just a killer reminder to make sure that we all check that out. Hey, Romy, wouldn't that be the coolest guest to have on the pod? I've been enjoying your pod so much, man. Keep up the good work. War Lady Clones, I'm out. Message saved. You have no more messages.